Hi, I'm Dr. Stephen Richheimer, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to Pain Know-How, the official podcast of the online pain medicine program at the Keck School of Medicine at USC, the University of Southern California. I'm the program director. This podcast is dedicated to sharing evidence-based information to enhance the practice of any clinician that treats patients that experience pain. All our speakers are experts in their fields and they will provide listeners with the most up-to-date information. Thank you for listening. Now let's go to today's episode. So good evening, good morning, um, good afternoon. This is Asher Mansdorf. I'm a, uh, I'm a general dentist who is currently enrolled in the USC pain management program. I'm in my third year and I'm an instructor at uh, the Turo College of Dental Medicine. And I'm here with one of my students who will introduce himself. And we're going to take a run and having a discussion about neurovascular craniofacial pain disorders, a little bit of introduction into the topic of headaches, and we'll delve a little bit more deeply into the topic of migraines. And we're hoping that you find this session very, very informative. Joe, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph Coffey. I'm currently a student at Toro College of Dental Medicine. And I'm here with Dr. Mansdorf. Again, he was one of my professors, one of my doctors. I was very lucky to have him. And I look forward to only learning more and more with him and to learn more through this podcast, only to enrich our knowledge in the field of dentistry and the field of medicine in general. So Joe came up with a really great line today, and Joe's great line it about was, dentistry, it's not only teeth. Was that it pretty much? Yep. It's not okay. all about teeth. It's not all about teeth. So so what we're going to do here is we're going to try to help dentists and dental students and the population at large have a deeper understanding of what neurovascular craniofacial pain disorders are. So I believe that Joe and I had a discussion today and we came to the understanding that headache is one of the most common disorders and it represents a major problem throughout the world. So um, I had asked Joe and Joe will tell you now, um, sure. how often do people avoid coming to school because they have a headache and how well do they perform in school? So what's your take on that, Joe? Um, my take on it is that headaches are definitely a very debilitating condition that really affects all aspects of life. It, it can be work, it can be mood, it can be how you perform in any topic or any subject or any scene that you're in. It can just be how you interact with the world in general. It can be very debilitating to varying degrees and depending on the person, how they handle it, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. So having a clear understanding is going to be imperative to really understanding what the patient is both going through and understanding how you as a physician or as a friend or as anybody in the scene can help. A lot of orofacial pain, uh, patients will come in complaining that their tooth hurts and they've seen multiple doctors and they've had, you know, God forbid, or multiple procedures done, you know, even against the doctor's wishes just to get rid of the pain, but it won't subside. And after that, you know, the main goal of a dentist, the main goal of a physician is to prevent unnecessary uh, procedures and to properly diagnose and take a thorough history of what is really going on with the patient. It'll save time, it'll save money, and it'll make you as a dentist and a physician feel better about, you know, that you can actually help someone to a full extent. So the bottom line is the more we know, the more we can do. Or the more we know at times, the more we know what we don't know. And we have to find out 
um, who it is that can partner with us in order to adequately care for a patient. So in the 2018 International Headache Society Classification of Headache Disorders, the third edition, headaches are classified in two ways, two extraordinarily broad categories. They're primary and secondary. Okay, so if you recall, a primary headache is a discrete entity that does not have an organic cause. So the number one issue that a person with a primary headache has to worry about is the headache. Okay. So just to be clear, the organic causes are just anything that that can be extra that, that don't, you know, reflect on the underlying condition. Right. So an organic cause, well, we'll we'll get to that in just a minute, but an organic cause is something where you can point to it and say, ah, that's causing. Where here you here you can't do that. So from a theory, although they're looking for, for causes. And that's how they're able to advance therapies. But so four classifications of primary headaches are migraines, tension type headaches or TTH, trigeminal autonomic cephalgias or TACs. And then they have this broad category number four, which is other primary headaches. So people have a headache and we can't we can't migrate them into um, one two or three, we can't paint them with a brush. So okay. This is the broad, this is more of just like a broad classification of just of headaches in general, that we can just place patients in the category when we first begin to see them. Correct. So in the category of primary headache disorders, other number four would be exercise headaches, cough headaches, headaches associated with a, a cold stimulus, headaches associated with activities, sexual activity, physical activities, and all of those activities are actually, all of those headaches are actually benign. Some will have classical features, others won't. And as a result, it can be confusing. That contrasts to a headache that is considered a secondary headache, a headache which has an organic cause. So what would you guess some of the organic causes are, Joe? Some of the organic causes, from my understanding, um, could be either from a systemic disorder or from disease. Or there happens to be just from the paper that, that we read, it was from uh, medication overuse. Correct. So some patients take too many medications, it can trigger a secondary headache. Right. So what it is, is that a patient um, has a, a, a migraine or a primary headache, and now they start to take Excedrin, Excedrin for headache, Excedrin for this, Excedrin for that, and they take a variety of things, and they're taking so many medications they get this rebound. So other ones are sinus conditions, um, allergies, then there can be others that are far more uh, troublesome or worrisome, and that would be trauma or injury to the head or to the neck or brain tumors or even a, um, a brain hemorrhage. There's also something called a chronic daily headache. They like to use abbreviations called a, a CDH. And a chronic daily headache, when they describe what chronic is, Chronic would be at least 15 days per month for at least six months. And chronic daily headaches affect a pretty significant part of the population. And the guess is that it's about four or 5% of the um, population. And that's a challenge because when you look at a, when you look at a large population, 5% is actually um, a pretty big number. Let's move on now to a headache that is troublesome, and a headache that is troublesome is called a red flag headache. Joe, do you remember what a red flag headache is? So I recall that a red flag headache 
is a headache that under certain circumstances becomes a big red flag in your office. And from the five uh, examples that I remember, it was a new headache or a new onset of headache in patients over the age of 50. The worst headache that you've ever experienced would be the second. Uh, a progressively worsening headache over the past few days or weeks. Uh, a headache that is precipitated by exertion. All of a sudden, a new headache that is precipitated by exertion. And a headache that is associated with a systemic disease that is new and onset. So a patient had a systemic disease, and now on top of the systemic disease, it starts migraines. Correct. So I'm just going to add one or two things to it. It's a headache that is capable of awakening a, um, a patient from their sleep. It's a headache that may be and will likely be accompanied with an abnormal neurological examination and or neurological symptoms that that theoretically would be mental confusion, memory impairment, visual problems, a change in personality, aphasia, that means the ability to, the inability to communicate and poor coordination. And then um, the very, very quick change of a headache from one type of headache to a severely different type of headache. Okay, so red flag headaches are something when a patient comes into your office and you suspect any of these things. So if you have a patient come in who's over 50 and they say, Doc, I've always had a headache, but today I have the headache of all headaches, mm -hmm. you have to say to yourself, over 50, an abrupt change, that's already two. And now what happens is you have to fall into a rhythm, a rhythm of examination. This you have to, patient history taking. You have to right. make sure that patient happens. history is the one thing, it's the one constant in facial pain and headache diagnosis that really can't ever be changed. The most important thing you can do is a coordinated, thoughtful, simple, straightforward examination that is able to lead you down a path towards appropriate diagnosis. Even then, you may not be able to do it, but you have to try. So to exclude secondary headache disorders, there's a mnemonic, and the mnemonic is SNOOP, S-N-O-O-P. Do you happen to have that written down in front of you, Joe? I do. I do SNOOP. Okay, so do you want to go through SNOOP for us? S stands for? Systemic signs or symptoms, such as fever, weight loss, meningitis-like symptoms, or a history of malignancies or HIV. Great. And now SNOOP, S, now N. Mm -hmm. N would stand for neurological signs or symptoms, right? So if you ever feel weakness or loss of sensation or radiation of numbness to certain sides of the body, uh, obviously excluding any other systemic disease, um, that would fall under neurological signs or symptoms. Okay, and then there are eye signs in that, diplopia and difficulty articulating words, okay? And now we have the first O of SNOOP, S, N, O number one is? Onset. Onset. Which is also part of one of the red flags that we said, which is the worst headache of my life. And it's a headache that reaches a peak intensity within seconds to minutes. So a patient just right away feels a shooting headache. Okay, and now we're followed Snoop with the second O. Mm -hmm, which is another one of the red flags that we mentioned before, is old age, a new onset of headache over the age of 50. And then we hit... P. So let's just review. S is systemic, uh, systemic signs and symptoms. N is neurological signs and symptoms. 
O is onset, O is old age, and then P is? Progression of existing headache disorder. So a patient that usually has headaches, but now has a change in the quality of headaches, or the location or the frequency of the existing headache. So it usually gets worse or migrates to a different section of the head. So if a patient comes into your office and says, Doc, I've been your patient for 20 years. I've always had headaches. How old was I when I first got here? My first time I was here, I was 30. I'm now 50. I had a headache last night. You wouldn't believe this headache. You have to say to yourself, is it a red flag? Very, very important. So you have to remember red flag headache and you have to remember snoop. So now let's let's just um, take a, let's change the flavor of our conversation and let's move instead of to having a broad discussion on headaches, let's just move into migraine headaches. So migraine headaches um, have can be typical and characteristic, or they could have a variety of different forms. But one thing we know, and the studies have shown, is that for the most part, it's a female um, disorder. It's female to male of two to one. That doesn't mean that men don't have it. Um, and you never know exactly how this is reported, but basically all the literature shows that it's two to one, a two to one presentation in women. And migraine is not simply a recurrent headache disorder. It has to be a, a, viewed as an attack that's accompanied by various neurological and non-neurological features in addition to the headache. Now, just what, like as we discussed headaches as being primary and secondary, migraine headaches are, are characterized as well into two categories. One category is a migraine without an aura, and one category is a migraine with an aura. What do you think an aura is, Joe? So an aura is usually something that predates or something that happens before the migraine. Something that something that leads up to the migraine. So usually that if the patient that has migraines is aware that they're about to have a migraine or that they consider that in the future, in the near future, it's about to come upon them. So a my so an aura is that an aura is sort of an awareness around you. It's sort of like um if you think about weather, it's all of a sudden you see that the 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 um outside it gets more humid, a fog is rolling in. If you, can, if you compare this to some sort of a horror movie, it's that you know something is coming. You know, you're standing on the lake. It started to get dark. There's a howl hooting, and hooting in the background. A wet mist is coming in. The lightning flashes. That's the aura. Um, you know it's coming. But first, let's talk about a migraine without an aura. So once again, the society, um, um, the IHS society, has specific criteria for it. So I'm just gonna read off to you the migraine without an aura criteria. You have to have at least five previous attacks fulfilling the next criteria, at least five. The pain has to last from four to 72 hours. That's aside from the treatment, four to 72 hours. The headache must have at least two of the following characteristics, unilateral, it's only on one side of the head. Pulsating, moderate to severe, aggravated by routine physical activity. What would be a routine physical activity? 
routine physical activity can be anything from walking, climbing the stairs, right? Everyday life. Perfect. Okay. And then during the headache, at least one of the following things happen. You have nausea and or vomiting. You have photophobia and or photophobia. And then the last criteria is the way out for the IHS. And that is you can't figure out what else it is. So if it, if it meets all the criteria above and you can't figure out anything else, it's probably a migraine um, without aura. Yeah. Okay. Just to go over quickly, it's four to 72 hours. Uh, it has to be either unilateral, pulsating, uh, moderate to severe pain, and aggravated by routine physical activity. And it has to be accompanied by either nausea or vomiting or photophobia, which is sensitivity to light, or phonophobia, which is sensitivity to sound. Perfect. Which is why a patient with a migraine, you'll often find them retreating to a dark, quiet room where they're going to lay down in bed, they're not going to jump around, they're going to close the door, and they're going to try to ride this out, which, by the way, is a differentiation to another headache that we're not going to discuss now, which is a cluster headache, um, and, and that'll be for another podcast, but the cluster headache is one where the pain is so severe, the patient wants to bang his head against the wall, and the pain is normally located behind the eye, and the patient wants to grab their eye and pull it out of their head. So migraines, um, you want to hide. Cluster headaches, you don't. Now there are criteria for a migraine with an aura. So a migraine with an aura follows the same thing, the criteria that follow. It has to have at least one or more fully reversible aura symptom, which would be visual, sensory, speech or language, motor, brainstem, or retinal. It has to have at least two of the following characteristics at least one aura symptom spreading gradually over five minutes or two more symptoms in succession. Each aura has to last five to 60 minutes. At least one of the aura symptoms has to be unilateral. And the aura is, the aura is accompanied by or followed by within minutes by the headache. So let's remember that the aura and the headache are not simultaneous. The aura is not present during the time of the headache. The headache must follow the aura in order for this to be classified as a migraine with aura. Got it? So one thing, one thing to actually note uh, for a migraine with an aura is that uh, the, second, the second thing that we mentioned is that one or more fully reversible aura symptoms, which is visual, sensory, speech, motor, brainstem, and retinal. As long as they are reversible, that is the main key. Because if you see that they are not reversible, that must then you have to really take that into account and see if there is something that underlined that. Correct. Very well put. I, I didn't think of that. I should have thought of that. I like that. Okay. So now a migraine has phases, and there are four separate phases. Okay. One is the premonitory phase. That's what I told you about the fog rolling in over the lake. Then there's the aura. Then there's the headache. And then there's the postrome. Now, remembering that headaches, um, that, that we decided that headaches are neurovascular craniofacial pain disorders, neurovascular being important, the postrome is sort of like the post-ictal stage in a patient that's had a, um, an epileptic fit. 
Okay, it's like the post-ictal stage. It's where things sort of quiet down. You don't see every phase in every attack, but their features are helpful in classifying the headache. So let's go to the premonitory phase. It happens in about 30% of people with migraine, and it affects people with and without aura in the same exact way. It can start a few hours to a few days before it happens, four to 72 hours. Now, Joe and I discussed the patient of mine who presented with a premonitory phase, and that premonitory phase was focused in on, even though you don't see this in the literature, on their tooth. They kept complaining of pain in the tooth on the upper left side, and as dentists, we've all heard of those cases where patients have lost teeth, and then they say that the tooth causes the headache. There is, in this case, a straight line between the tooth and the headache, but it's not from the tooth to the headache, but Joe, it's from the headache to the tooth. To the tooth. So you have to remember that if somebody comes in and then they say that I always have a headache after I have a toothache and you see nothing wrong with the tooth, please start to think about migraine. So the features that are included in the prodromal are hyperactivity or hypoactivity, doing more or doing less, depression, craving for special foods, stomach disturbances, yawning, a change in vision, often it's blurred, pallor, and then similar atypical systems, okay? And then the pe people will be aware that something, is, that something else is going on. Yeah. Joe, do you want to talk about aura a little bit? Yes, yes. But before we get to aura, I also want to just go back to the premonitory phase as well. We mentioned the premonitory phase that it can happen to a few, a few hours or a few days prior. Now, it's not always going to be exactly at the same time or exactly at the same day. It can be from GI disturbances, repetitive yawning. It has a lot of that it can develop. So one of one of our main things also as dentists, as physicians, is to help educate the patient. Because a patient might come in and say, yeah, you know, sometimes on Thursdays by the end of the week, I start having all of these symptoms. My stomach starts to hurt, repetitive yawning. But I just think it's the end of the week. And then you have to sit down with them and say, no, that's actually part of your migraine that is actually what you have to think about that's when you have to start taking action and realizing that it's about to come to you right so again it's also about educating your patient we're educating everyone right now so that again you can educate everyone else as well and continue the chain of knowledge so the action is going to be often medication based there are other ways but that'll once again be for another discussion okay so when we discuss it when we discuss the aura, about 30% of migraine patients experience the aura before a headache. And the aura is actually a neurosensory disturbance. Um, and it includes recurrent neurological symptoms that develop gradually over a five to 20 minute period and ordinarily less, less than an hour. The onset of the actual migraine usually occurs within 60 minutes of the time that the aura disappears. And let's remember that the aura can present itself and the prodromal can present itself four to 72 hours before. The aura can be either visual or sensory or motor. It doesn't have to be the same each time. And um, it could be all three or it can just be one. The most common aura is a visual aura. 
And the visual orders can either be a fortification pattern. It's called a fortification pattern because the way it's drawn out, when you look at it from above, it looks like a, a fort. It can be bright spots or flashing lights that are floating in a field that's called photopsia. Or it could be an area in the visual field where you've lost vision, and that's called the scintillating scotoma. That actually happened to me once. Um, I was doing physical therapy. I was driving home from the physical therapist. I looked up, and all of a sudden, everything that I could see in front of me was gone in only one field. Um, I closed the eye that it was affecting. I was able to pull over to the side of the road and then go into a full meltdown because I thought I was going crazy. But it was just the prodromal for uh, a migraine. They could also be associated with unilateral tingling, tingling or numbness, and it can be even in your hand or in your arm reaching that side of your face, so it's ipsilateral. It's the same side. You may not be able to speak. Um, so when it's happening, you for whatever reason, because it's neurovascular, it may, it may just... It, it just may cut down your ability. That's once just again followed. To, Go right ahead. Just to add to Dr. Menzo's uh, story, my that's actually one of the symptoms that my older brother, unfortunately, when he was in pharmacy school, he used to have as well. He used to have a, a fuzzy feeling. He would describe it to me as a, a staticky feeling on one side of his head. Just like it, it feels like TV static just on one side of his head. I never and heard he it put that way, that but way. that's also very well put. Okay, maybe he can help me with some mnemonics when I try to memorize drugs. Now now comes the headache phase. Once again, it comes about 60 minutes af afterwards. About two-thirds of migraine headaches are unilateral, starting in the temporal or the occipital region and move and spreading along the, the uh, side of the head. Most migraine headaches involve the frontotemporal area, but they can even extend to the neck or to the shoulder. It's very, very unusual for headaches to switch from one side to the other. However, um, in children, you can have headaches that are bilateral, but as they move into adulthood, it normally becomes unilateral. Mm -hmm. Headaches can happen, the migraine headaches can happen at any time, but most frequently they are present when you awaken in the morning. Most migraines start as a dull ache. But as the intensity of the headache increases, it can change in character. And that change in character goes from pulsating to vomiting. Okay. What, do you, what else do you think that patients complain about during that headache phase? During that headache phase, probably that they can't move. They're being that's a just debilitating headache. They can't really get anywhere. They can't really do anything. They can't just can't have a better quality of life that they want to. Right. But what also comes along with that is nausea during the headache phase. That's when they get nauseous. Yep. That's when they feel they have to vomit. That's when their face may get pale. Okay. So it's actually people who need to be rescued from migraines where, the, where their interventors aren't helping. One of the important things in the ER is they load them up on fluids because they become dehydrated from the, from the nausea and the vomiting. Okay. And then during the migraine attack, a lot of the patients have a sort of heightened senses. So they're more light sensitive, they're more sound sensitive, they're more smell sensitive. Another important characteristic is that there's an, inter an increase in intracranial pressure. 
So when you sneeze or you cough or you bend down or you climb stairs or you even move your head, it makes your headache worse. And then there is something called cutaneous allodynia. Do you know what cutaneous allodynia is, Joe? Yes, uh, cutaneous allodynia is uh, manifested by sensitivity and soreness of those areas during the migraine attack. Right, so, so you touch the area and it hurts. Joe, we only have 20 seconds left, so I'm just going to say the end of this is um, the, the, um, the post-drome. We're going to follow up in a, with another um, session. But for now, thank you very much. And we hope that this was incredibly helpful. And we look forward to speaking. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Pain Know-How. If you want more information about our online programs, please visit our website at painmed.usc.edu or send an email to us at painmed at usc.edu. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.